<laughs> hey all you cool cats and kittens welcome to the black codes i'm one of your hosts savannah sitting virtually across from my friend all the way in pittsburgh donald hey what's going on good people what's going on you know savannah yeah i used your intro the other day you said hey all you cool cats and kittens. i did <laughs> So my friend Sin, shout out to Sin, she had her 29th birthday. We're six days apart. And so I went to dinner with her and uh, a couple of her people. And I walked in the room and I don't know where it came from. And I was like, hey, what's going on with you cool cats and kittens? <laughs> and I just paused like, yo, did I just say that? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I still have not bothered to look up to see if Carol Baskins has trademarked this little saying at all. I don't know how that kind of, I don't know how that works. So um, yeah, until I find something better, that's what it is. I was going to ask you what the snow situation looks like. I'm looking outside of my window right now, my windows, and it's snowing. Um, you know, pretty consistently. <laughs> it's been snowing all day. We got a few inches, but honestly, this is the most it snowed all winter. So really? Yeah. It snowed once maybe in December. It was like a dusting and it was it rained like a few hours later. So it ended up kind of washing all the snow out. That's wild. Up here it's pretty unimpressive right now. It snowed last night and it's snowing, but it's not more than a couple inches. Got it. We had a big snow in December, like right, uh, I think I want to say like a week before Christmas, a week and a half before Christmas, we had a big snow. That was back when I was being a clubhouse warrior and I went outside like heavy in the snow, throwing snowballs and stuff. But this is, this is weakness right now. Word. I haven't really had to deal with snow in a minute, probably since I was at Slippery Rock. Cause it just hasn't really been snowing that much while I've been in Baltimore. And then I, you know, was in Puerto Rico. And I don't think it snowed a lot while I was in Pittsburgh either. Um, but they might call a snow day. Maryland is different. Like growing up in Western Pennsylvania, back when we, you know, at the time when we grew up and we still had regularly scheduled seasons, we would get six, seven inches of snow and still take our asses to school. They get a few, possible inches here and they're shutting shit down <laughs> yo my assistant coach texted me this morning i mean it's sunday it's like 11 a.m and she's texting me like so what's the plan for the weather and i was like <laughs> i had to like stop and like wait to reply so i didn't say nothing like too smart ass to her uh calm down i was like the weather I was like uh you young cali uh, i was I originally i was gonna say young cali girl and I was like, eh, uh, oh, indeed. oh she's that. from California. She's yeah. California. So I was like, ah, you're still new to Pittsburgh, are you? This yeah. is nothing. I told her, this is nothing. My clients have driven in much worse to come train. If you need to stay home because you don't feel safe driving, you stay home. But I don't anticipate anybody canceling over this. Yeah, it's nothing, man. Nothing. That's funny. So um, should we get into it? Um, we should talk about what are you drinking because you're drinking some wild some interesting wine over there oh yes so I can't actually pronounce it Carmenari I feel like you shouldn't drink stuff you can't pronounce Savannah um, that's not true um, I can sound it out I just honestly I've never mastered understanding the difference on letter on like vowels when the accent faces different ways. So because of that, I'm not sure how to pronounce all of these E's in this word, but it's a Chilean wine. Um, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. And yeah, what are you drinking over there? Before I tell you what I'm drinking, I have a funny meme to share. Did you know, I found this on Instagram, that Mercedes has three E's that are all pronounced a different way. I have seen that meme before. It's, yeah, like, language is wild. <laughs> it really is. I am drinking, um, as we'll lead into our topic today, good old nigga drink. <laughs> a crown and some juice. I got some crown apple and some cranberry juice. Word. That's funny. I still have that 
little bit of crown apple that you didn't finish is just still sitting here. I think if you're willing, I can take it back with me next weekend because yeah, I don't just don't want a repeat of another episode of me drinking crown at your house. I'd rather get drunk like that at home. <laughs> Word. Yeah, it's you. It's really just taking up space. I will never drink that. So um... yeah, Savannah does not drink crown. Mm-hmm. well it's not that I don't drink crown it's just I don't drink the crown apple I don't do I don't want flavored like whiskey which maybe isn't fair because I do love honey like jack honey but apple no I'm good yeah this doesn't when you think whiskey you think getting punched in the stomach or at least mm-hmm. in the chest this doesn't do that this is literally like going to a college party and getting water out of the uh not water oh my god getting uh the drink out of the big um what tub that they usually have with the mm-hmm. fruit in it like crown apple tastes like jungle juice it of like for me um so the way that i think about vodka vodka is never something that i have in the house i don't really I'm enjoy glad. the flavor of vodka on its own i when i'm out like especially in the summer Vodka is nice with like lemonade. It's good in cocktails. It's a good, it's a good liquor to mix with. But I just don't find the taste strong or pleasant. You don't think vodka strong? I mean, the flavor isn't like I don't mean strong. I mean like it's not something I enjoy. Okay. Whereas whiskey, I actually enjoy the flavor of like whiskey and bourbon. So it doesn't need to be masked and like mm. flavors and all this bullshit. Like I'm, I'm okay. Okay. And yeah, this is, that's a big job of masking. Yeah. I will only drink vodka in a Long Island. I have left my vodka days at Slippery Rock. I will not go back. <laughs> yeah, no, a, a Tito's and lemonade is nice sometimes in the, in the summer, but I feel you. So. Yeah. I think it's because vodka is so cheap. Like people would just go crazy with this stole, stole, stole. What is that? Oh, uh, some shit I don't drink. <laughs> Yo, Vlad, remember that? Yeah, I remember friends drinking it. That, I remember friends drinking. It. Yeah, I, when I started drinking, I just jumped right into the brown liquor. Like I never, I didn't have opening vodka. <laughs> Did you have an E and J phase at least? I didn't have an ENJ phase. Well, I just jumped right into drinking Hennessy and Jack, oh. and then slowly would get other things. One of my homeboys really loved ENJ, so I would have it when him and I drank together. But Brandy, Brandy's all right. Brandy's trash. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I've had like okay brandies, but yeah, I'm never going out of my way to <laughs> buy one. <laughs> yeah, I remember this one time my freshman year. I don't know who I thought I was thinking I was like a drinker. And I walked into, um, I remember Keith and I walked into his house. Him, I think him and Trip, uh, Matt, they lived together. And he had this Vlad sitting there. I don't know who I was. I don't know if I was already drinking or not, but I walked in there and I said, yo, what's up? I know I was a freshman because, you know, this is only some shit freshmen would do. <laughs> and I took two shot glasses out and I poured them up. This is definitely after my 19th birthday because after my 19th birthday, I thought I was somebody because I drank all these big shots with, my, with Mike. And I was like, oh, yeah, even I ended up passing out at the end of the night, but whatever. Oh, so I walked into his house <laughs> and I poured these two shots of Vlad and I said, oh, yeah. I took. He's like, bro, calm down. Like, you don't know what you're dealing with. Oh, bro, I got this. I took the first one back. Mm. I picked the second one. I was about to take it back. And then my body said, <clears throat> I said, what oh, is yeah. this? Oh, my God. I, was, I sat on the floor. <laughs> I sat my ass down. He's oh, like, I told you. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not really a shot person anymore. I will take shots of tequila when the vibe calls for it, you know, and that's just like the energy in the room. But I'm not really a shot person. Um, and it's about, like, I can't imagine. It probably tastes like like garbage on fire going down your throat and hitting your stomach. Like, I can't imagine. It, it makes uh, me think about being at the gas station. <laughs> like a dirty gas station. <laughs> yeah. I um I feel you with the shot thing. I've left shots behind, but only I'll do tequila. Like I don't just drink tequila. I take shots of tequila. I don't really know how that developed over the course of the years, but 
definitely around 23 that's when that became a thing and i don't like shots of anything else my stomach doesn't like that much liquor hitting it that fast tequila though like a really good smooth tequila especially if you, if the tequila calls for like the lime and the, the salt um yeah that's like i said when the energy is there like i would have recommend just doing tequila shots on a tuesday night in your house <laughs> you're gonna be on another type of time <laughs> um but also like i guess turn up live live your life but yeah tequila is smooth i think that's why the shots the shots are okay vodka is is meant to be is meant to like get you fucked up without you actually having to taste the flavor i think yeah but... shout out to russia <laughs> yeah shout out to them hey make sure all of you we want you to like subscribe and share this podcast no it's not a drinking podcast but damn it these topics are heavy so we like to have fun so cheers to you cheers to you savannah cheers to all of you listeners so as you take this moment to go say hey you know friend of mine or family member of mine or colleague of mine you should listen to these two talk shit about the wild things that america does send them this podcast send them your favorite episode and of course we can never go without shouting out our listeners in india over the last, I think it was seven days, no, last 30 days of our um, few hundred listens, almost a third of them have come from our listeners over there in India. And so shout out to y'all. For sure. Shout out to y'all. Um, Shall we? Someone interact with us from there. Like Ooh, I want to talk to some people. But yeah. Yes, please email us. Yeah. Follow us. Tell us something. <laughs> at the Black Codes Podcast at gmail.com. Please talk to us. It's Black History Month right now. By the time you hear this, you should talk to us because of that. Yeah, I am I think both of us are very interested in how people that don't necessarily, like haven't lived here, don't necessarily have any understanding of just how bad it is in the U.S. Like I don't, I obviously don't know the Indian educational system, um, but I am interested to see what the knowledge was before, what knowledge you've been gaining from listening to these, from listening to this podcast. And yeah, so hit us up. We're, we're waiting. We're waiting. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, me and Savannah had a discussion that the way Savannah was responding to me, I really thought that like you were starting to question our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> So this is after the inauguration, and I'm going to just give you my side of this really quickly. This was a discussion about Kamala Harris being Black, and this is going to lead us into our episode today about Blackness, whiteness, and really this essence of the one-drop rule. Now, th the episode was inspired by this. Her situation doesn't exactly fit, but this is the inspiration of it. So I'm on Instagram, and I'm scrolling, and I'm on Facebook. And, you know, part of my Instagram and Facebook are like, yeah, first black lady in office. And I'm like, yeah, I'm glad there's this woman in office. Like, this is great. The other half of my Instagram is like, this is great that there's this woman in office, but she's not black. Why are y'all so happy? <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, just to be very frank, I kind of sympathize with the latter of that. Like, yo, she's like Jamaican and Indian and she has married to a white man. What part of me is a part of her that makes me feel happy that this, like, that she's black in office? Because more is like, I'm happy there's this woman of color in office, but this aspect of like, is she black? Kind of makes me like, I don't know. And then it drifted into a conversation about even Obama. Cause I like, I like Obama because I just think he's a smooth, cool ass guy. But do I think he's black in the way that I'm black? I mean, he's, he's Kenyan and then he's white. And then he was like raised not in the U S for a significant portion of his life. So my personal emotional feelings and like that immediate reactions like i'm glad you were the president as far as the face and you know no matter what i think of it my kids will be like hey this black guy was president because you know that still fits a certain definition of black but the way that america has convoluted race makes this a discussion that is not easy to have and is not easy to make correct Okay, yes. Um, huh. 
I just, <laughs> I'm trying to think where to start. Yeah, so we were having this conversation and I wasn't, I wasn't questioning our friendship. I was just really questioning like, damn, are you one of them? Are you a hotel nigga on the low? Have I been bamboozled? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think my response for me, I grew up in America, but one of my parents is not American and he is biracial. And I think understanding my dad and kind of what he went through being a biracial man in London, um, I am a lot more, granted he's different because he's not running for public office and winning and trying to, and, and no one is saying like, oh, he's this great black person that's doing this great thing in America, right? He's not, he's like a first, that's not what the situation is. But I think it allows me to, I don't wanna say sympathize, but definitely understand this idea of trying to box people in because it doesn't fit what we have been told you know, is black, what have we been told is um, appropriate or whatever. And I think after, I understand your sentiment, like I understand the, I guess, question, questionable feelings that you have about it. I understand it. And it is not like, just, it's not so black and white. I think I understand more now than I was originally willing to give you in the moment because I was so caught off guard by what you were saying and where I think the base of what you were saying lied was very confusing for me. I think it's uh, important for you listeners to remember to find not best to say super controversial things that are not easily to be clear <laughs> by text message unless you're going to write somebody just a long email. Like there are certain text messages you should probably just send your friends as emails. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably very close to 30 or over 30. Shout out to me. I have now officially almost 30. Hey, and thank you. Thank you. And so um, that was one of those situations. So as we talked about this, it led me to realize what I'm actually referring to is this essence that they don't share the legacy of slavery of American slavery, like, you know, Jamaican ancestry is very much still, you know, English slavery and, and white slavery and, and oppression, but it's still Jamaican. It's not American in this way that we classify these things. And Obama's comes from a colonial legacy, which is still white oppression, but it's still not American slavery and the type of sins that America have, has committed and the way that America owes reparations and such things led me to feel like, ah, it's like, hey, we're going to get this person of color in there. They're like black by a certain definition, but they're not like the nigga black that we really don't like. Mm -hmm. So like we're throwing y'all a bone. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> like could have Michelle Obama have been the vice president or is she just good enough to be first lady? I mean, her being a woman really kind of takes her out of the equation. I feel like uh, in terms of presidency, when Obama became president, um, I remember we were seniors or 10th grade. We were in high school when Obama got elected. And yeah. I remember so many people saying they, men and women, would they did not vote for Hillary because they felt like, oh, she's a woman, she's too emotional, she won't be able to handle the job. So I don't think that would have been in the cards for Michelle Obama just because of misogyny. I meant more like right now, let's say she was the, like, let's say she was running now because. I think that if she was running now, it's hard to say that because people I feel like would vote for her just because of Obama and because we love Michelle. But if you mean like as a blind person, if we didn't have Obama and Michelle just decided to run as president, I still do not, I don't think so, no. <laughs> so, I, so I think I have a better, much better question and scenario. That's actually much more clear cut. Okay. Would Kamala Harris have been endorsed by the Democratic Party if she was a black woman by American slavery married to a black man. 
well we had some black women right i don't i remember the democratic ticket being long i guess if i can't even remember their name then i should just say no <laughs> <laughs> um i the thing is damn is this a how do i want to put this i feel like this might be a hot take and i do not want to take away from anyone's qualification She's definitely qualified, like by all she, stretch. That's not, that's, not, that's not in question. We're not questioning that. She's absolutely qualified. If, I mean, but she dropped out. Now, whether she dropped out because she knew the trajectory and she knew she was going to be tapped to become vice president and that was more realistic, that's why she ended her, her bid, you know? Um, we don't know those things, at least not at the moment. But I wonder if Biden kind of had all of these options and said they're all equally qualified but I think what will make me seem more broad is if I have a woman of color definitely I fully feel like that was a conversation yeah. I feel like that was a short conversation <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they drew that conversation out it's like look there's this one part of America that feels this way about Trump and white people you should mm-hmm. go the other direction. Not not too far, but like you're yeah. in the right track. So just make that to, choice. And it's not to diminish her accomplishment or saying she only got there because she's a woman and because she's black. But I think people are starting to recognize that only, only having white men in positions, even if they are qualified, it looks away. You it's know? limiting. <laughs> It's limiting and you cannot care and and make sure everyone's needs are being met if the same type of people are in all the positions of power. It's just, it can't happen. No matter how empathetic or like wanting you want to be of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that America's progressed to the point where women and people of color and women of color are able to get access to spaces. It's not, 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 not that it seems, it's very clear that women, uh, black women and other women of color are able to get in positions that were not deemed as possible 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And so um, as we, you know, so that's not in question. And so we just want to like explore that. That was a conversation that we had that kind of influenced the desire to make this episode. So we're going to change gears here and get into the meat of this episode. And what is the one drop rule? Mm -hmm. So in essence, the one drop rule was created during the slavery era and very heavily influenced during Jim Crow. Um, And honestly, a lot of states really adopted these policies during Jim Crow. A version of it existed before slavery, but truly being the one drop rule is a Jim Crow era essence. And that is, if you have any black blood in you, you are black. And while you hear that, oh, if you have any black blood in you, any Negro blood, you're black, and you hear that, and you think about it, it's like, oh, okay. But if you really think about that, this extends down to like, let's say, listener, all of your your parents you deem as white, you identify as white, your grandparents identify as white, but your great-grandfather on your dad's side is black, you would be considered black. And all the ramifications that come with that. Mm-hmm. And so where this comes from is this desire in America to defend this pure whiteness, this concept of, you know, being this uh, purebred white person, which if we look at, to some extent, you know, one definition of it could be this white Anglo-Saxon Protestant type of white person, which is more akin to that English definition of white. Um, but whiteness has evolved over time because it used to just be that, like if you were of British Protestant descent, you were white and anything else, you were, you were a dirty Irish person or you were a Negro, you were an Indian. But at the turn of the 20th century, whiteness expanded to be um, not just Italians being Italians and Polish people being Polish, but they got enveloped into the sense of whiteness throughout the 20th century because it it morphed not just from this genealogical sense, but also now to this sense of power and social structure of 
this is white, you have of European descent and you act a certain way and you move a certain way. And so if you're a Negro, you talk a certain way or you're not pure, you've had this black grandparent. And so now you've been infected, which is how that was treated. Yeah, um, kind of this idea that, so octoroon is the word that people were labeled if you had one black great grandparent, you were called an octoroon and still considered a mixed race person, um, a per like a black person. And <laughs> I mean, I know black genes are strong, but one black great grandparent, you're still not giving off a lot of black like features, you know, like for the most part, that most of it is gonna be wiped out. Now, sometimes you can tell that like, oh, some, it looks like you have some something going on in there, but I'm not sure what it is. I just, yeah, I think it's crazy. Um, invisible blackness and just tr saying like, oh, you're black. I know that you have black in you because of certain features and Honestly, I wonder how those people felt. I wonder if they actually felt, I am actually white, so this is this is stupid. You know, like I wonder what that thought for them was. I feel like that's a question. I, I don't think I've ever asked people that I know who are like directly mixed race. Um, and like, like so me and Savannah, we're, we're relatively pretty fair skinned people. I like to say that I'm golden, but for the sake of this podcast and just being realistic, we're pretty fair skinned and so am I. And, but like neither of our parents identify as white and they're not white, but like we know people who are the same complexion as us or sometimes darker who one of their parents is definitely white. I don't feel like I should ask them that. Like there are certain, you know, they, they have to pick sometimes. Like, do I identify as being a black person or do I identify as white? But this one drop rule in the legacy of it's like, you can't identify as white. You yeah. can wear all the Sperry's and wear the plaid shorts with the polo and go to private school all you want. We know you a nigga. Yeah. It's and crazy. so back, so a couple of things where this one drop rule comes from. So just to kind of give you a little example of this, in Arkansas, there was already a law banning interracial marriage, interracial sex. We'll talk about how that was really um, actually authoritarily imposed. But anyways, we that, those laws existed since the 1600s and 1700s, banning blacks and whites from mating. But laws about this one drop rule, we'll use Arkansas as an example, came when a particular um, Supreme, uh, sorry, Supreme Court justice in Arkansas had a mistress. And so said mistress was black. And the they was brought to the court because it was, I'm sorry, there was just a regular white person who had this mistress. Mm -hmm. And it was brought to the court in the court justice in Arkansas at the time in 1910, had decided that this person was neither black or white, they were colored, and therefore exempted this man from prosecution and let him go because it was still illegal for white people to deal with black people. So like, it wasn't like it was a completely one-sided thing. It was definitely not 50-50, but it wasn't completely a hundred and zero. And so he escaped that. Within one month, within 30 days, Arkansas overturned that whole law to say, if you have one great grandparent that's uh, black, you black, and we're going to prosecute you for, for sleeping with one of them. Now, other states, Louisiana, Virginia, created several laws in that same time span. And when you look at Reconstruction, some of these um, integrated marriage laws broke down during in, uh, Reconstruction. Yeah, but a lot as of we, were repealed. Yeah, a lot of that stuff was repealed. But as you go right back into the 1880s and you get into Jim Crow era, they doubled down on it. And looking more into Jim Crow. Some of the Jim Crow laws, outside of the brutality of slavery, some of the Jim Crow laws were much more structured to break mm -hmm. races apart than it was in the 1700s. It mm -hmm. was just the 1700s had outright legal violence, whereas the, the 1900s, there was still a lot of violence, but it was different. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, so people for, for, for the sake of this conversation are not in physical chains, but they are still completely governed in a box, you know, like you can't do anything at all. So you're not enslaved, but you still can't do shit. So you kind of are, you know, like you kind of are still enslaved in that respect. And yeah, it's, I mean, just think we've talked about how harmful Jim Crow was in the last like few episodes, especially about equity. And it continues into this, like, and it's not because people just didn't know any better because all of this shit had changed. It was changing for America to become more equal. It was along those lines. And we had just some people that were not able to deal with adapting and did not want to see that type of progress and took us 25 steps back. Yeah, the Jim Crow era, I think when people hear Jim Crow, they think 1900. My mother was born before Jim Crow ended. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think your parents were probably as were, were born right around the end of Jim Crow. They were. Like, these people work jobs. They have very, all these politicians that are you see in office are older than Jim Crow. Ending. Yeah. And yeah. so these laws were not restricted to 1905 and 1920. Like those laws were in effect in 1959, which I know we think was so long ago, it's really, really not. I mean, we talked about Congress being like really old. Some of them, some of those white men that are still in power have been in power and in like a political space. And they were actively, you know, on the other side of history and they have able to, hide their bullshit in, in some way to continue to like hold their position but I mean it's not that long ago it's not yeah we like you know Bernie Sanders um, a lot of people like Bernie Sanders and you know like his politics and I mean I'm not gonna lie I like his politics that man has been in politics since then he's still alive and relevant he was a, he was in politics back then yeah and you see he was active right he was active on that side so he's been with the shit so what do you think the people on the other side are they're still with their shit you know like they're still Mm -hmm. doubling down on how they felt back then so when we look at this one drop rule i want you all to understand that this is white america drawing a line of what is black and I really want you to drive to understand that point. It's about what is black, not so much what is white. There is, yes. It's more about what is not white and, and about what is black. I know right, right now in 2021, there's a whole, you know, people of color, there's all these different things. Back uh, 80 years ago, for most of America's history, it was way simpler than that. It was, are you white or are you a Negro? And, you know, sometimes Native Americans would matter, but mo- by then most of them were wiped out anyways because of them. Yeah, um, and, and they were sometimes often referred, especially if they if they had children of white people, their children was just considered black. Like that was yeah. still a thing. Actually, speaking of that, so we're going to transition to talking about when this one drop rule affects things. And so I have four things that I want you to understand, listener, and that this one drop rule affects people and their livelihood. Schooling the use of public services, marriage, and getting careers. And the sense of are you black or are you white really matters if they're going to have access to do something. Because remember, people can qualify intellectually, emotionally, talent-wise to do something, but do they have access to do it is a whole other story. And so I have a particular um, point to make about schooling. In 1921, and I will use Arkansas Supreme Court for another example, there was a case, the state versus the school district. This woman, Maria Gocio, had her kids expelled from school because of this um, information that went around that she had Cherokee ancestry. Mm -hmm. And at the time, white people felt that Cherokee ancestry was partially Negro. You'll meet a lot of Black people who talk about, oh, I got this Indian ancestry. 
almost all the time you're going to hear them talk about Cherokee because that's those that mixing happened. And so this court. Yeah. Hold on. I'm sorry not to no. cut you off. That mixing did happen, but I wonder if because that knowledge of Cherokee Indians being called black, if some people just kind of ran with that just to give themselves some spice, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> they just didn't really know. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my hair straight. I got Cherokee. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they were, uh, I don't know this for a fact. This is something we can look into. And listener, you can let us know. But were Cherokee Indians more dark skinned of the different Indian populations here, Native American populations, I should say? I wonder if it just depended upon where their territory was. I'm not really sure. But if they were mainly in the South, they would have been darker because they didn't really have a, a, a long winter, you know, it's still hot, the sun's out. Their skin would have just been naturally like tanned and a bit darker. They're sitting out there outside, they're outdoors. Um, so that could, you know, that could be it. So, yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case because, you know, it's pretty warm down there. So the the interesting thing about Maria Gocio and uh, sorry, you know, from your grave, if I'm messing your name up, they presented white. Mm -hmm. So if you were to see Maria and her kids walk down the street, you would think that they were just a regular white person with how they look. They didn't from what I'm understanding and reading this. They didn't appear to have any quote unquote Negro features. Well, the school felt that Cherokee had Negro blood and this rumor went around. So they expelled them. She took them to court and the court said the Supreme Court of Arkansas said, look, y'all's niggas because your great grandparent Maria was a full blooded Negro. Well, he was a Cherokee, but it was basically Negro. And so not only are your kids going to be expelled, their future descendants will be deemed as black and not allowed in these schools. I read that article and it said that like one of the daughters just happened to mention it in class. Yo, her mom was probably so pissed off at her. Like, <laughs> just keep your fucking mouth closed. Now you done ruined all of our lives. Like, like what are we supposed to do now? <laughs> now I bet she was smart too. <laughs> and this is why we don't tell kids shit because y'all don't know how to keep your damn mouths closed. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you didn't did we didn't I tell you what stays in this house? What was said in this house stays in this house. Damn, they probably never let her live that down. <laughs> Man, that family slander was real. All her <laughs> siblings, all her nephews and nieces were probably taught that at like age 12. Like, you know, your auntie went running her mouth. And this is why we are in the lot that we are. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yeah, they had to be pissed. Like, imagine someone knocking on your door. Like, um, so little Maria told us some interesting things about your great-grandmother. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> they probably have a picture of her in the house, too. Oh, my God. Poor thing. Um, but these things, were that was not an isolated experience. This happened all <laughs> over the country where people who presented as white, they were fair skinned. If you know, um, well, I don't think that neither Savannah or I could pass as white people who are much fair skinned with much straighter hair will walk into these places and, you know, try to get a job somewhere, try to go get married. And that was something that was asked. That was something that was brought up. And as the 20th century went on, these things were less enforced. These were heavily enforced really before World War One. after World War, I'm um, sorry, after, before World War II. After World War II, these things became a lot less enforced and much more slack, you know, American other priorities. But I found a very interesting thing that happened to um, go ahead and make this notion really drive home. So there was a story that I found, and it was about this man who had uh, basically went on a trip to go, um, what state did he go to? Oh, I don't remember the state. It was from this very cool article uh, by Teresa Guest. And basically, this guy arrived, oh my God, too much crown. He arrived in Jefferson Flint, 
what state that was in, I don't remember. I'm looking at the screenshot. So he saw this Negro man and this white woman about to get married. The official who was going to do the marriage refused and said, all sexual intercourse between white and colored people under a penalty of, uh, are prohibited under a penalty of law for each offense. Then he said, you know what? If the woman could be qualified to swear that there was black blood in her, the law would not qualify. The hint was taken. This is how strong the power of love is, good people. <laughs> I want you to think about all your Dracula movies and go back to watching those. This man cut his arm and this woman drank his blood. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Drank this man's blood to say that she had black blood in her to get married. I don't know why when I read that, I must have, I, I did get confused. At first when I, the blood transfer us, I thought they meant like, they just, like they touched blood. You know how people will do blood oh, yeah. things and will cut open like their hand and like hold the other person's cut hand and that mixture of blood like makes you have a blood bond. I don't know why that's just how I process that. I didn't realize <laughs> that, that um, she was uh, drinking his blood from his no, arm. She crazy. drank this nigga's blood. So I want to drive two points home. Hey, love is powerful. One, real quick. Number two, it love wasn't just crazy things. It wasn't just niggas, you know, black men out here trying to get these white women just because they were these crazy savages like America likes to make you think. White women were genuinely falling in love with these black men and they were willing to drink their blood to get married. <laughs> yeah. I don't even I'm want to say anything about the episode after that. <laughs> You know, when you said that, it was giving me very much how you closed the last episode with that little, should I re-say it? Yeah, you go know, ahead. The, uh, if you live in the hood, you can't be a vegan. <laughs> and then that was just like, Mike down, walk away. <laughs> I, I didn't even know you had spice for vegans like that. Like that came out of fucking left field for me, to be honest. Um, yeah. Vegans are like hoteps. Huh? Vegans are like hoteps, and sometimes they're the same person. Yeah. It's usually the newly found vegans, though, that are, like, annoying. Niggas have been doing that shit for mad long. I feel like they're kind of, this is my actual lifestyle. I'm not here because it's a trend. I could give a fuck less. I got <laughs> a whole know? philosophy on that that I actually don't think is just a personal philosophy. I think everybody recognizes this happened. When people find a new lifestyle or a new worldview, they double and triple down on it and they have to tell every fucking buddy. Oh, yeah. And it takes like a year and a half to two years for them to either leave it behind or calm the fuck down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think part of it, people feel like, oh shit, I want to share, you know, like I want to try to get people involved in this thing too. Maybe I think it, it could be helpful. Um, but it's, yeah, it's kind of like you can be hype, but don't try to, don't try to force it on me. And then don't try to look down on me. Like you just learned about this two weeks ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like people, when they become baptized and they start going to church or if they become yeah. atheists and they go the other direction, Sometimes when they go vegan, this really happens with a lot of vegans. Or like I've noticed this during the George Floyd protests and all that. White people who really didn't have a whole lot to say about um, white oppression now going like doubling and tripling down on it in the month of June. And it's like, I appreciate it. But like, damn, my nigga, like, are you going to keep the same energy in November? Because uh, you're doing a lot right now. Yeah, I feel like you can you can be hype in that regard. You can be hype with like your white friends that maybe don't know like have this energy for them but with me you can chill out because I remember I had to explain to you <laughs> what is and is not appropriate so don't get crazy yeah I very much appreciate the sentiment but you're not about to impress me yeah the fact that I'm talking to you and I'm this cool with you probably means that I think you're a decent human being yeah, I but it's I don't like, talk, congratulations, I don't waste you got somewhere where I've been, like, I've known about for years, you finally got there, yay. Yeah, like, for real, honestly, 
to like my white friends and followers who are listening to this show, you don't need to go out of your way to affirm your social progress to me because I'm talking to you. Yeah. And some of you pay me and like, I appreciate that. And you probably would not be doing business with me if you really felt like I was that beneath you. I like to, I like to lie on, ride on that line of logic. Mm-hmm. So closing this piece out, we have uh, a whole lot more to talk yeah. about with this topic. And I had actually had a whole lot more I wanted to share with you all, but we will <laughs> leave that for a part two. Mm-hmm. But I really want you to walk away with understanding this one drop rule. And I want you to do some more research on this, y'all, because while we talked about a few highlighted incidences, the one drop rule and America defining what is black and what is white, or really what is not white, had enormous ramifications on racial politics in the United States that last up until this day right now, January the 31st of 2021, that are extremely relevant in regards to so many things, especially when it comes to the topic of colorism and the aspect of if the one drop rule was changed to be like, if only one of your parents was white and one was black, but if whiteness itself was more broadly defined, like if white people said, we want more people to define themselves as white and Mm -hmm. said that if you have a white parent, you're a white and how that would change things, it would be enormous. It would be, um, yeah, we're closing out, but I think one, probably the biggest thing, cause since you mentioned politics, Plessy versus Ferguson, which is essentially the case that says it's a, it's constitutional to have separate but equal. Um, you know, that case, that man, uh, what the hell was this nigga's real name? His first name. That was so wrong. I don't know why I ever said it like that. Helmer Plessy. He was an octoroon. He had one Black great-grandparent. And he got a first class ticket for like a rail on a car rail. I think he was in Louisiana. And they basically said, what the fuck are you doing? And to to that, we end up getting Jim Crow and all of that. The man had one black great grandparent and it sparked, it's, I I don't want to say sparked, but it did spark what would become a really awful, how long did Jim Crow last? Like Uh, about 80 years. A very ugly, awful, terrorizing time for a lot of people. Um, And just like, how fucking petty is that, you know? Jim Crow has lasted longer than post Jim Crow has lasted. Yeah, like... I loved that this Martin Luther King Day, I feel like this was the first time I saw a real concerted effort across multiple platforms to showcase his pictures in color. Yeah. You have always had an issue because we've talked about that before is civil rights photos tending to be in black and white and kind of unconsciously what that says, it kind of makes it seem like it's a lot older than it was, but no, Mm. niggas had color film then, (laughs) not that long ago. Yeah, like people were people are still alive that experience that were alive when Martin Luther King was assassinated and were conscious. They weren't little babies. Yeah, people, you know, this man had been at this work since the 40s. So, of course, some of these photos from the 40s and early 50s are black and white. He he didn't just come on the scene in two years. Like this man had been at this for over a decade. Um, One thing I want you all to note is also thank the one drop rule for Rosa Parks. Because she was a yellow bone. If it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't the first to do what she did, but she was she the wasn't. most acceptable to do it. Shout out to Plessy versus Ferguson. You got to get the have, white looking black people. Huh? Do you have her name? Um, I mean, if you can tell the people, girl, I can Google like it. A teenage, it was like a teenage brown skinned girl that originally was like, fuck you, I'm not getting up. And I think she was removed. I'm pretty sure she was arrested. And then- Got the name. What what was her name? Claudette Colvin. I knew it was a double C. I was going to say Claudia, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Um, And then as as an effort, as like a, as a stance, Rosa Parks did the same thing and ends up becoming the face. And obviously not to take away anything from Rosa Parks. She's, you know- that is monumental 
um, this idea of colorism and and mass what would be, I guess, more palatable for people to take seriously. Shout out to like being um, on the 20 years into the new millennia, although <laughs> shout out to the channel YouTube on YouTube, Kurt Sagart. Kurt Sagat. So I follow a lot of these educational YouTube channels and they don't really do the whole change of the year with the Roman Jesus thing dying. So like they clogged the years like the year 15,000. Shout out to them. But anyways, we're in 2021. Claudette Colvin's still alive. Yeah, she is. She's 81. And yeah. they, she got her flowers uh, for a big protest uh, not that long ago. And, you know, with this whole, I don't know what it is about Gen Z or the social media, the changing of the guard, but she's like, she actually is getting a lot of articles written about her like very recently. <laughs> I think that's probably that. Like, so we're going to, to actually close, I think we're going to get a lot of, obviously the bullshit white people have been doing pulled back, but colorism is literally right on the tails because it's something that impacts all of us. And I think lighter skinned people um, because in that we're still oppressed, but we're not as oppressed or have the, th like we don't deal with the things that dark skinned people deal with. So even in that, our gaze is a bit blocked and it's a conversation that's going to continue to be had. Like the colorism shit isn't going anywhere. We have to unpack all of that if we're truly trying to get to a real equal and equitable place. So remember to give your dark skinned friends their flowers, give them their credit where it's due. Um, a whole topic can be made about the advancement of dark skin pride, um, but we'll save that for another day. We want to remind you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. And the last thing I want you to remember <laughs> is if you truly love somebody, be willing to drink their blood. Bye.